Tis the season of getting together, um, hunting, cooking, shopping, eating, singing. We're, we're moving into that season of traditions. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't doubt that you and your family will probably enjoy some old Thanksgiving traditions or in this year of COVID-19, maybe some new Thanksgiving uh, traditions this year, this week. I don't doubt that at all. We have our own family traditions we enjoy. Some traditions are seasonal like that. Other traditions, though, they happen all year long. I'm so thankful that in my daily routine, coffee is not included. How many coffee drinkers do we have here this morning in person? How about online? If you drink coffee, you can put a hands up or some coffee drinkers. How about any non-coffee drinkers? Anybody with me? You know, here's, here's the thing about coffee. It's, it's, it's a fascinating substance. Nothing smells better than coffee. Nothing in the whole world smells better than coffee. And nothing in the whole world tastes worse than coffee. One of my pastor friends says that coffee is the ultimate over-promiser and under deliverer. Oh, it tastes, oh, it, it smells like heaven, but it tastes like hello. I don't like coffee. I don't like it. Here's another routine, a custom, whatever you want to call it, a tradition I don't understand. Ladies, please help me understand this. Why stack 47 pillows? on the bed every morning, throw them on the floor every night, and just repeat this every day for no reason whatsoever. Why? Some traditions make sense, some don't make any sense. But all traditions are not bad, okay? I I don't want to I don't want you to hear me say that all traditions are bad. Paul even wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions Uh, that you were taught by us, either by word or by letter. So not all traditions are bad. It's bad when you're all tradition and no truth. That's when it's bad. It's bad when tradition is held in higher honor than truth. It's bad when tradition tramples over truth or trumps truth. It's bad when truth takes the back seat and tradition takes the wheel. That's when it gets dangerous and toxic and poisonous is when the traditions are elevated either to equality or above the truth. That is exactly what happens in Matthew 15, 1 through 20. And I would say it's exactly what happens oftentimes in our hearts and in our lives. So Matthew 15, 1 through 20, I'm going to read the text. There's about five reminders I want to help us 
be reminded of as we enter into this season of tradition. So I'm going to read the text and then we'll unpack these five reminders beginning in Matthew 15. Verse number one, if you're there, say I'm there. If you don't have a copy of the Word of God, there it is on your screen. So here we go. Matthew 15 verse 1. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Gracious Father, we are so thankful for your word. We we get to sit under the teaching of the Holy Spirit uh, this morning as a church family. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, we do not take that for granted. Many of us are worshiping online. Others of us are worshiping in person. Yet together, corporately, here we are, sitting under the teaching of the Holy Spirit in Matthew 15, 1 through 20. And we pray today that we will see the truth and the truth will set us free. That that we will hear the truth, understand the truth, we'll respond to the truth, we'll obey the truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said... Amen. 
So here's the first reminder. I just want to throw these reminders at you as we enter this time of all kinds of different traditions that we might be a part of. Here's the first reminder. Trust not in trivial pursuits. Trust not in trivial pursuits. This is a trivial pursuit these scribes and Pharisees own as they are sent. Notice what the Bible says. They're sent from Jerusalem to Jesus. Now, what is happening here? Well, the local scribes and Pharisees, apparently, they were not getting the job done of stopping Jesus. The establishment, the Jewish establishment in Jerusalem wanted Jesus stopped. They had heard all about what Jesus was doing, and they wanted Jesus to be done. Stop him. Go stop him. And so it's not getting done locally. So the headquarters in Jerusalem, they send in these heavy hitters these Pharisees and scribes, all the way from Jerusalem to Jesus in order to stop him. Please understand, when the Bible says they came to Jesus, they're not coming to Jesus to start following him. They are coming to Jesus to stop him. In other words, they are coming, make no mistake about it, they are coming to pick a fight. They are coming to stir up trouble. They are coming looking for a See, our role as ambassadors of Christ, as children of God, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, then you've been saved. And if you're a follower of Jesus, your role and my role, we are to make Jesus known. Amen? We're to go to our Jerusalem and make Jesus known. We're to go to the ends of the earth and make Jesus known. We're to go everywhere in between and make Jesus known. If you're having a virtual Thanksgiving this Thanksgiving, make Jesus known. If you're having an in-person Thanksgiving this year, make Jesus known. We're called to make Jesus known. These scribes and Pharisees are not coming from Jerusalem to Jesus to make Jesus known. They're coming to take Jesus on. They're coming to fight. Let's see how it plays out for them. They throw the first punch. This first question here in verse number two, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So they're throwing the first punch. Now, you may have heard the phrase, there are no wrong questions. (laughs) This is ironclad proof (laughs) that that statement is wrong. There are wrong questions. This is the wrong question. Think about the context of this question. Jesus He's, you know, he's just done a few, few little things in chapter 14 in Matthew's gospel. He's only fed 5,000 people plus women and children with some, with some loaves of bread and two fish, right? And then he followed that up with no, nothing real major, just walking on water, <laughs> calming the sea. And then the crowds touched the hem of his garment and they're completely healed. And so if you're going to ask such a one a question, after all of that, don't you imagine your question would be something like, who are you? Because notice in verse 33 in chapter 14, the disciples say, truly you are the Son of God. Right? Or maybe you would ask him, hey, what must I do to follow you? Those seem like appropriate questions. But here these Pharisees and scribes come all the way from Jerusalem All the way to Jesus, standing before the giver of life, standing before the King of kings, standing before the Lord of lords, after healing, after healing, after miracle, after miracle, and they're standing before them, and they ask him the question, get this, 
They ask him about his disciples' eating habits. Seems like a wrong question, doesn't it? Think of a firefighter rushing into a burning home, saving a baby, all right? Picks up this baby, races out of the burning home, has a saved life in his arm, a rescued life in this firefighter's arms. There's a reporter chomping at the bit to interview this heroic firefighter, chomping at the bit. And so the, the, the firefighter still has smoke and ash coming, coming off of him, and, 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 and the baby's rescued and crying in his arms. And this reporter races up to the firefighter, and the question this reporter asks is, hey, I've heard that your brother eats meat on Fridays during Lent. Is that true? What? Meat, Lent, my brother, what kind of question is that? It's so disconnected. That's the point here. Think about it like this. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you shared the gospel with them? You're having a gospel conversation with somebody. Going back and forth, they're, they're plugged in, you're plugged in. It's a back and forth conversation. You get to the place where you're able to share about God's, about sin, about forgiveness, about grace, about faith, about repentance about Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. So you share the gospel with that person, and then they ask you a question. And the question they ask has nothing to do with the gospel at all. They don't ask, man, is what you told me really true? They don't ask, hey, how can I, how can I, how can I know that Jesus was raised from the dead? It's, not que it's questions like this. Did we evolve from monkeys? Right? Did, did Jesus marry... Was Jesus and Mary, were they, Mary Magdalene, were they married? Or what about the dinosaurs? Or just questions that are so off the wall. What is that? It's a sign of what's happening here. It's evidence of spiritual blindness. These Pharisees and scribes are totally blind. They cannot see the truth that stands right in front of them because they have lifted their tradition over the truth. They're holding to this tradition of the elders, Jesus calls them in Mark's gospel, traditions of men over and above the truth of God. They are trusting in a very trivial pursuit to try to stop Jesus. And let's see how trivial it really is. Notice what they say. They say, for they do not wash their hands when they eat. Now, I know our knee-jerk reaction in this year especially is, what, you mean the disciples don't sanitize their hands before they eat? Right? We just kind of go into shock. How many of you have sanitized your hands more this year than you have in your whole lifetime? Man, I have. Gosh, just all the time washing our hands, right? And we should, sure. But this has nothing to do with poor hygiene. This has absolutely nothing to do with a sign in a restroom that says employees must wash their hands before returning to work. This doesn't say the disciples must wash their hands before they return to discipling. It has nothing to do with poor hygiene. This isn't the J Jerusalem's version of the CDC coming to do some COVID-19 health checks. This is not the germ police coming to make sure they're healthy and Israel has good hygiene. It has nothing to do with that at all. I've washed my hands so much this year. I was scrubbing them the other day and I scrubbed them all the way down. To where I found the notes I wrote on my hand during my ordination council in 2004. I got all the way back to there. I've washed them so much. I really didn't write notes on my hands at my ordination council because I didn't think about it. If I thought about it, I would have done that, but I didn't do that. 
This doesn't have anything to do with, with hygiene, okay? Please understand that. This, it, they've taken what was given to Aaron and the priest in Leviticus that says, hey, you have to go through this ceremonial cleansing before you enter into the temple to do your priestly duties. And, and, and the Pharisees and the scribes, the rabbis, the elders, they've taken that and they've now applied it to everybody and to every meal and to every course in every meal, they would have to do this washing of the hands. And what they do, they'd hold their hands up like this. They take about one and a half eggshell of water and pour it on top of their hand. And if the water dripped down their elbow and hit the ground, they were ceremonially clean. If it hit the elbow and went under here, they had to do it again and again and again until it was clean. Then they would, until it would drop down. And then they would take one fist and do this to this palm, and this fist and do this to this palm. It was just a ceremonial thing, nothing to do with hygiene whatsoever. The problem is they've taken this tradition and they've elevated it to the commandments of God, the Word of God, the truth. This is not Mosaic law. This was an oral tradition passed down, and it had become a problem because now they are elevating it to the plane, the level of the Word of God. You know, trivial pursuits are very therapeutic. I, I like from time to time, if I'm unplugging or if I'm relaxing or if I need an outlet of some kind, a tr trivial pursuit is a good thing. Even the game trivial pursuit is a good thing. But when we put our faith and trust in trivial pursuits, that's no game. That's when it becomes dangerous. And we need not trust in. Like these Pharisees were putting their trust in, oh, they're breaking the tradition of the elders. And in their mind, what the Pharisees and scribes are saying, oh, they're breaking the word of God. This wasn't the word of God. That was a tradition. We've got to know the difference between the two. Don't be like the man in Florida who was arrested two months ago, got in an altercation with his cousin. There was a pocket knife involved. Some injuries happened. And this, they were fighting over whether or not almond milk was superior to whole milk. That's, a, that's probably a trivial thing, is it not? But it escalated to the point where they thought it to be truth. Don't trust in trivial pursuits. Here's a second reminder that will help us during this season of traditions. Trust not in man-made traditions. In verse 3 through 6, Jesus jabs back. All right, the, the Pharisees and scribes, they've swung on Jesus, but now he jabs back with his own question. Jesus often would answer a question with a question, and he does that here. Notice it even said, he answered them, but then it's a question. So he answered with questions. So here's the question. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, notice what Jesus is doing. It's a pattern here in verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Notice what he does. Verse 3, he said, why do you break the commandment? He puts the commandment of God over here for the sake of your tradition over here. He's pitting them against one another. Then he says this. God commanded in verse 4, God says this, verse 5, but you say this. You see that? Look at verse 6. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. So he's pitting these against the two, helping them 
And those around them understand there's a difference here. This tradition is not truth. It is not the Word of God. And you have elevated it to a level that you are presenting it as such. And so the problem here is the fifth commandment has been broken. The fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother from the Ten Commandments. And what they've done is they've taken this concocted tradition of taking all their possessions, it's called Corbin, and devoting it to God. Thereby, according to the tradition, not according to the, to the Word of God, but according to tradition, if you take your possessions and you devote them to God, then you no longer have to care for your aging parents. You can just ignore them. You don't have to care for them. So these Pharisees and scribes, they would take their possessions, they would devote them to God. They could still use them as long as they lived, but they had no reason, they had no stipulation where they would have to use that to care for their parents. So Jesus says, wait a minute, you've taken this tradition and you've broken the fifth commandment. You've made the word of God void. You're not honoring your father and your mother as God has called you to do. You have broken the word of God. I think it's important when we think about our traditions, either as a family, either as an individual, either as a church. And you know, it's, it's a gray area, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the Word of God is black and white. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself. I mean, there's a lot. But there's gray areas. Like when we pray, do we have to bow our heads and close our eyes? Is that the only way you can pray? That's, that's a traditional thing. But is that what the Word of God, this is the only way you can pray? Well, of course not. So I think what is helpful is when we think about our traditions, if we ask questions about our traditions, I think that's a helpful thing we can do to determine, hey, am I trusting in this man-made tradition? Let me throw some questions at you. You may want to write these down. So here's, here's some questions that might be helpful when you're trying to determine, are you elevating your tradition over the truth of God's Word? Uh, here's a good question. Are, are my traditions helping my heart draw near to God? or hindering my heart from drawing near to God? Is it helping or is it hindering? Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Here's another question. What does God think or say about this? It may, God may have something to say about that particular tradition in the Word of God. It may be spelled out in black and white. It may not be. Does this tradition point us to the greatest gift, Jesus, or does it point, it, point us to lesser gifts? Does the tradition turn our hearts in thanksgiving to the God who made us and gave us all things in Christ? Is it turning my heart toward God or is it turning my heart away from God? What is this tradition doing? Does this tradition violate the Word of God? Ask questions of these traditions. Are you putting your trust in them? Why should we not? Here's, here's where it gets dangerous. One has said it this way. Tradition is the living faith of the dead, and it's the dead faith of the living. Tradition lives in conversation with the past. Tradition says that nothing should ever be done for the first time. See, trusting in tradition, it may feel good. Oh, it makes us happy to have our traditions, and it makes us happy and feel good. But if we trust in them, it is doing no good. So be careful. Do not trust in man-made traditions. 1914, aspirin was made in a powdered form, and they could break up really easily and go into a bunch of different pieces. And so 
Aspirin companies will put that cotton swab in the, in, in the aspirin bottle. You remember those cotton swabs? And they put them in there for a reason, to keep the powdered aspirin from breaking up, and then you'd have to figure out how to piece them back together. But by the 1990s, aspirin began to be coated, so that cotton swab is no longer needed. Some companies kept it in the bottle just because we expect it to be in the bottle. <laughs> it's a traditional thing. It doesn't serve a purpose anymore. Some long-standing traditions are helpful. Some are hurtful. Some draw us near to God. Some draw us away from God. Either way, do not trust in man-made traditions. Number three, verse 7, 8, and 9. Trust not in cultural Christianity. What is cultural Christianity? Well, just like the scribes and Pharisees, we're living in a culture of religion and tradition, and that was driving them. Today, not only in the South, but I think in America, in fact, Dean and Sarah said it like this, I believe cultural Christianity is the most underrated mission field, not only in America, not just in the South, but in America. So what is cultural Christianity? It's, it, it's claiming to be a Christian by name only. It's identifying as a Christian, but you, know, you have no identity in Christ. It is religion without repentance. It's tradition without being transformed. It's, it's being a Christian by convenience, not conviction. The, the idea is uh, this appearance of being a Christian, but you're not adhering to Christ in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And it has consumed our nation over the last 50, 60, 70 years. We must not trust in that. The Pharisees and scribes were trusting in their religion and in their tradition. And so notice how Jesus calls them out on it. Verse 7, here's the knockout punch. Jesus jabbed with the first question, but here he just knocks them out. Verse 7, he says, you hypocrites. Uh, now, hypocrite is one who wears a mask, a mask wearer. Now, not, not the kind of mask we're wearing right now in 2020, okay? It's not that kind of mask, all right? It's a, it's a mask that an actor would wear in a play, on a stage, acting, that you are pretending to be a character that you're not, okay? That's, that's where the, the, the idea of hypocrite comes from. And so Jesus says you're pretending to be what you're not. You're a hypocrite. Uh, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said this. Listen to this. Man, how, whoo, if this doesn't hit us in the heart. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Their worship was a farce. It was futile. It was fruitless. That they honored the Lord with their lips, but not their heart. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. That we're to believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. That we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That, that, that you are to have the peace of Christ rule and dwell in your heart. That we're to sing songs and sing hymns from the, from the heart. That we're to obey 
the Lord with sincere hearts, that we're to give as it has been decided in our hearts. The Bible has a lot to say about the heart. And here he says, in vain do they worship me, because they're not worshiping me with their heart. They're worshiping me with their lips. And notice what it says at the end of verse 9. They have taken these doctrines, or they've taken these commandments of men, these traditions, and they're presenting traditions as truth. They're presenting these commandments of men as doctrine, as truth, which is false teaching. All around, cultic false teaching. I want to ask you, why did you come to worship today? Are you here today because it's tradition? Because it's a habit that you've just gotten stuck into? It's a rut that you're in? Or have you come to worship today out of a sincere, cheerful heart that loves the Lord and desires to know Him more and more and be shaped in His image more and more and you just have an overflow of worship? Why did you come to worship today? Why are you serving today? Why did you sing today? Why are you worshiping with us online today? Why, why did you log on? There's a lot of other things you could have done today. Why did you do that? Was it because a habit and tradition? Or was it because of a sincere desire to worship the Lord Jesus? Church is essential. doesn't matter if you're in person or online. It is essential. Period. Yes, people are struggling from COVID-19. I get that. People are sick from COVID-19. I understand that. But people are also struggling with addictions and separation and loneliness and job loss and depression and abuse and suicide, anger, worry. You just go down the list. And church is essential. I, I, I had lunch with a, with a couple this week, a prospect that they interested in membership and joining our church. And the husband said something that, was so profound. He said, you know, from our experience, they, they moved here recently. He says, from my experience, when you miss church, when you're not either in person or online, when you miss church, you'll get to the place when you won't miss church anymore. You stop missing it. Oh, let's not get there. Church is essential. Worship is essential. Not to worship with our lips. Not to just honor Him with our lips and our hearts far from Him. But let our hearts draw near to Him and overflow out of our lips to worship Him. So don't fall into the rut of this cultural thing to do is to come to church. No, the the Christian thing to do is to be the church. Be the church. Don't trust in culture Christianity. Number four, real quickly, here we go. Number four, trust not in what is trending. So Jesus does something very fascinating in verse 10 through 14. He, 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 he addresses the crowd. He goes from, he's, he's knocked the Pharisees out. Okay, they're done. And now he turns to the crowd. And he wants them to hear and understand the truth, right? Because what they have heard has been what is trending. And what has been trending is false teaching. The Pharisees and scribes, what they are proclaiming, what they're propping up is tradition. Church, we're not called to prop up tradition. We are called to proclaim truth. And so they propped up tradition. And the Pharisees and scribes' message to the crowd is this. The mediator between God and man is clean hands. You wash your hands ceremonially, you're right with God. 
you wash your hands ceremonially, you're spiritually okay. That's a lie. That's not true. The mediator between God and man is not clean hands. It's Jesus. And Jesus wants them to hear and understand the truth. So he addresses the crowd. He gets on whatever platform, has had whatever trending, whatever false teaching has been trending, and he brings the truth. And notice how he addresses it. Verse 11, here's what he says. As we are to trust not in what is trending. Here's what Jesus said. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. That's what is trending, but that's not what is truth, Jesus says. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then notice what the disciples do. They come and say to him, hey, do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Yeah, but they were. The truth is offensive. Hey, listen to this. The truth is always the minority position. It will never be the majority position. Never. It's always the minority position. Only a few will find it. But when you find it, don't let go of it. Trust in the truth, not in what is trending. So they're offended by it, of course. And he answered them, every plant that my heavenly Father is not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. It's blind leading the blind. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's false teaching. I don't care if it's man-made tradition. I don't care if it's what is trending. Don't you dare let those things take precedent over the truth. Because what's going to happen is you will stop going back to the truth to verify if what you're hearing is true or not true. And you'll be like the blind leading the blind. And you'll begin to follow the blind. And you'll fall off into a pit. And you'll get so far away from the Word of God. You need to check everything you hear with the truth of the Word of God. Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. This is the truth, God's word. It sanctifies us. It grows us. It helps shape us into the person of Christ more and more and more. Listen, our deliverance from fear and worry, what delivers us from our anxiety, is based on what is truth, not based on what is trending. What delivers us from fear and worry is based on the good news, not the daily news. What what delivers us, what heals us, is the truth. I don't know, the truth is, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what's going to be trending later today. I don't know what's going to be trending tomorrow. I don't know what's coming next week. I don't know what's coming next month. I don't know what's coming next year. But I know who is coming, and his name is Jesus. And he's coming. How do you know that? Look around. Look, look, look. We've got, we've got green and red all over this place. Why? Because it's Christmas. Well, what do we celebrate at Christmas? That Christ has come. And if he came one time, he's coming a second time. I know that truth. That's, that is truth. Years ago, Adrian Rogers was in this conservative resurgence, and he was in the middle of it, and these moderate and liberal pastors were approaching him, and they, one of them said, Adrian, if you don't compromise, we will never get together. Dr. Rogers says, so far as getting together is concerned, we don't have to get together. The Southern Baptist Convention does not have to survive. I don't have to be the pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. I don't have to be loved. I don't have to live. But I will not compromise the Word of God. Will not compromise the truth. Don't trust, trust not in what is trending. Number five, last one. 
Trust in the truth. Trust in the truth. Trust not in what is trending. Trust not in cultural Christianity. Trust not in man-made traditions. Trust not in trivial pursuits, but trust in the truth. So verse 15 through 20, Peter asked Jesus to explain this to them. Explain this parable to us. What do you mean that what goes into the body doesn't defile a person, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a person? What, What do you mean by that? So Jesus begins to explain it in verse number 15 and 16. Notice what he says. Uh, Verse 16, and he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? In other words, biography lesson or, or biology lesson here, right? I mean, your digestive system doesn't go through the heart, does it? No, it doesn't. Food doesn't go into your mouth and then go right to your heart. Now, indirectly, sure, if you eat unhealthy, your heart will be affected. I understand that, but When you eat, it goes from your mouth into your stomach and then out of the body. Jesus is saying, listen, it's not what goes into the mouth with unclean ceremonial hands that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth. Because that comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the stomach. It comes from the heart. Yeah, sure, what you eat may be unhealthy, but what you eat is not unholy. It doesn't make you unholy. It may make, it'll, it'll make you unhealthy, but not unholy. The heart is what Jesus is getting to. The heart. Our hearts are as clean. In fact, think about it like this. Two places Jesus points to here that will give you an indication of spiritual purity or spiritual impurity. Mouth and heart. Not hands and stomach. Mouth and heart. What comes out of a mouth is what defiles a person. So our heart is as clean as your mouth. Who among us have never gossiped? Who among us has never uh, prescinded in anger? Who among us has has never sworn? Who among us has never taken the Lord's name in vain? Who among us has never unjustly criticized? Who among us has never posted something they should have never posted? Put down your stone, O sinner, and cover your mouth. For we are a people of unclean lips. And we live in a world of of, of unclean lips. I mean, the world is full of bad words. And there's no vaccination that's going to cure that from science. There's no CDC guideline that's going to help that at all. Because bad words come from a bad heart. And we've all got them. And we need to fall on our face before a holy God and beg God to break our hearts. Give us a broken and contrite heart. God, give us a circumcised heart. God, give us a clean heart. God, give us a pure heart. God, give us a new heart. Give us sincere hearts. Give us a heart of obedience that Christ may dwell in our hearts. God cares about your heart. It it is not, listen, Jeremiah said, The heart is desperately weak. He didn't say the stomach is desperately wicked or the hands are desperately wicked. He said the heart is desperately wicked. Guns are not desperately wicked. It's the heart that's desperately wicked. 
in here, in me, in you. So here's our takeaway. As Jesus hammers this home, look at verse 19. Real quickly before we get to the takeaway. Look at verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You know what those are? That's commandments 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 of the Ten Commandments. You break number 5, you break number 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. All of these come from the heart. We break God's Word in our heart, not with our hands, not with our... It's from the heart. That's the truth. Now, the truth will not make us feel good, but it'll do us a lot of good. And so here's our takeaway. Don't forsake the truth for the sake of your traditions or for what is trending. Do not forsake the truth for the sake of your traditions or for what is trending. Think about when Jesus came to this earth. The Bible says Jesus came full of grace and what? Truth. Not grace and tradition. He did not come full of grace and tradition. He came to take tradition and turn it on its head. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He didn't say you will know tradition and tradition will set you free. When Jesus was talking with a Samaritan woman at the well, the Samaritan woman says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she said this, our fathers worship on this mountain. You say, talking to Jesus, that we should worship in Jerusalem. What is that conversation about? Let me tell you what that conversation is about. That conversation is about tradition. The lady is saying, okay, our tradition is we worship here. Your tradition is you worship there. And Jesus turned that on its head. Remember what he said right after that? He said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit. And what church? Not tradition. Truth. Jesus says, I'm the way and the, not tradition, and the life. Think about it. Don't forsake the truth of sacred tradition. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Not when the spirit of tradition comes, he'll guide you into all tradition. It's not what he said. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Not sanctify them in tradition. Your word is tradition. Jesus told Pilate, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And all those of the truth will listen to me. He didn't say, hey, I've come to the world to bear witness to the tradition. And everyone of tradition listens to me. And then Pilate asked Jesus a question right after that. And Pilate didn't ask, hey, Jesus, what is trending? He asked him, what is truth? Don't forsake the truth for the sake of your traditions or for what is trending. Paul says love rejoices with the truth, not love rejoices in tradition. Paul says speak the truth in love, not speak tradition in hate. Paul says put on the belt of truth, not put on the belt of tradition. Paul says rightly handle the word of truth, not rightly handle the word of tradition. Here's the problem. Tradition is about religion. Truth is about a relationship. Tradition is something we can abandon. Truth never abandons us. Tradition keeps us busy, but truth keeps us belonging. Tradition originated from con men like the Pharisees, but truth originated from the God man himself. Think about it. Tradition makes us do-gooders, but truth makes us disciples. Don't forsake the truth for the sake of your tradition. Tradition is external. It targets the outside, while truth is eternal, and it transforms the inside. 
Tradition says we're first human doings, while truth says, no, 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 we're first human beings. Tradition produces fans of God. Truth produces followers of God. Tradition is man-made. Truth is God-given. Tradition is impersonal. Truth is intimate. Tradition is what you keep. Truth is what keeps us. So don't miss that. Trust in the truth. Don't forsake the truth for false teachings, for traditions, for what is trending. Trust in the truth. Friday I was working on this, uh, this message and my phone started going notification after notification. About lunchtime, notification after notification after notification. It was just blowing up. And so I looked at it and, and it, what was trending all day Friday from, from, from lunchtime through the, through the end of the day was that Taysom Hill was going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints today. And that one just started trending everywhere. Uh, fantasy football sites were crashing because everybody's trying to get him on their team. Because although he's a quarterback, you can play him at tight end. And so it was just crazy all day Friday. This is what trending. From every news outlet I looked at, Taysom Hill starting, Hill starting, Hill starting, Hill starting. And then later that day, Coach Sean Payton comes out and says, well, we, we've named a starter, but we've not announced who it is. In other words, all that was a lie. It was all a lie. And it was trending everywhere. Don't Trust in what is trending, in tradition, in false teaching. Church, trust in the truth. Amen? Now, you may be here today, you may be worshiping online, and you've never entered into a relationship with God. You've never, it's never even registered in your mind that the Creator God would want a relationship with you. But I'm here to tell you, He's done everything in His power to enter into a relationship with you. He has sent His Son, Jesus. For God so loved you and me that he sent Jesus. He gave his son, his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That is the truth. That's the truth. And I'm telling you today, you can trust the truth. You can take that step of faith and put your trust in Christ alone. I'd encourage you to do that today. To believe right here, you got to believe in your heart. And then confess with your mouth. Remember, the two places that help us see spiritual purity or impurity. The heart and the mouth. Believe in your heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess with your mouth that He is Lord. If you'll surrender today, if you'll call on the name of Jesus, He'll save your soul today. He'll save you. You may want to know how to do that. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that. So please text us. If you're in the room or not, text us. You can text the word CONNECT or the word JESUS to 79969. We'd love to connect with you. Maybe you've already made that decision, but you've yet to be baptized. You hadn't been baptized yet. I don't know what you're waiting on. That's your first step of obedience. Let's get it done. Maybe you're looking for a church home and God's led you here. And he's led you here again and again and again. You need to make that official and join us. Maybe there's a place of service that God's laid on your heart that you want to serve somewhere. A decision you need to make to go into ministry. Whatever it is, you need to let us know. So text. You can text 79969. Let us know of that decision today. By texting connect to that and you'll get different options on what decision you're making today. Or you can come forward today. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, Brad and I will be down front and we'd love to connect with you today we'd love to pray with you today as, as we stand in a moment to worship